So, aren't you so glad that as a, a son and daughter of God that you don't have to earn or perform for God's love and acceptance? As a son and a daughter, you will never have to earn or perform for it. Um, if any of you ever been in a, a relationship where you didn't feel like you were good enough, and so you felt like you had to perform or you had to earn it or you had to qualify for someone's acceptance or approval, I would say most of us have. And because, um, you know, this world uh, measures things based upon merit, how well you do. And in an atmosphere of performance, how many know that? you're always trying to find your value by outdoing somebody else. And so in an atmosphere of performance, it's actually not a family atmosphere. It's not a loving atmosphere because rather than loving and supporting each other, we turn into competitors trying to earn worth and approval based upon what we do. And how many know that in God's house and in, in sitting around God's table as a father, that none of his sons and daughters have to perform for his attention or his approval or to prove their worth? Amen? See, there, there's nobody in this room that's any better than anybody else. There's nobody in this room that's more right with God than anyone else. How many know that your rightness with God is a gift? You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. Um, you don't merit it by something that you do good or disqualify yourself by something that you do bad. And so what that means is, is that we're all here in a state of being equally sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters. And so there's absolutely no need for any of us to compete or to perform to prove our value to God. And when we understand that, and you start to receive an unconditional agape love, which we sang about all morning, um, it allows you to feel comfortable in your own skin and to start to, to, to know your own value and know your own worth. And you can just be yourself. See, there, there's so much power in being genuine. There's so much power in living out of your heart. See, because you are enough just the way you are. God picked you. God chose you. You're not in competition with somebody else. How I many know in the world there's a lot of competition? <clears throat> in the world it's all about who's the smartest, who has the most money, who's the prettiest, who's the skinniest, who's the best speaker, who's has the coolest shoes, who, has the, who drives the best car, who all of these little things that we try to measure ourselves with and prove value. I mean, the world is just some big seething pot of competition. <clears throat> but how I many of the, the God's house is not like that? We are not love-starved orphans competing for approval. There's not... There's enough of the Father's love to come around. I mean, oh, God loves you so much and He's so big and He's so powerful that He can look at you as if you were the only person that He ever created and to spend your entire life standing in front of you looking at you 
looking into your eyes, knowing your thoughts from afar off, knowing how many hairs are on your head, knowing everything about you, every mistake you'll ever make, but still have paid, paid, all, for, paid for all your mistakes in full at the cross. Can you get an amen? And, and to, to love you as if you're the only person that's ever existed. You individually have all of His attention. And you have all of His focus. Because He's a loving Father. And when this, when this life is over, you're going to see Him face to face. And you're going to find out that He was there. And He was walking with you when you, when you fell, when you messed up. Uh, when you were hurt, when you were abused, when things happened. I mean, you know, there's a lot of questions that can't be answered in this life. So, you know, God, you claim that you love me so much, then why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did that? Everyone in here has question marks in their mind like that. You have to understand, this is a fallen world. And free will has been given to everyone, and we have an enemy. And so everything that happens in your life is not the will of God. How I many of you know the will of God is not perfectly taking place on this planet right now? Yeah. If you don't understand that, then you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna not think God is good. And that's why, you know, how many of you know people are being, how many of you people are starving in the world today? How many of you know there's, there's abuse that's happening? How many of you know that's not God's will? Can I get an amen? Come on, help me out. Give me an amen here. We are the people that understand that, right? And that's why Jesus said, pray that, that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are contending for the will of God in the earth. How many of you know in heaven there's no poverty, there's no lack, there's no depression, there's no sickness, there's no disease? Can I get an amen? That is God's will. And that will ultimately be our existence in eternity. In eternity, you will have no giants to slay. You'll have no sickness to fight. You'll have no bills to pay. Can I get an amen? Yeah, man. And, that, and that's because that's God's will for your life. But while you're in this life, we have things that happen to us that can cause us to question the love of God because we've experienced pain and we've experienced hurt. And there are some things that you're not going to understand until you get to the other side. Just because you actually don't even have the ability to understand it. You have a two-year-old little girl, and um, she hates to have her diaper changed. Hates it. And fights me, MMA style. You know, not every time, but quite often. Very strong-willed child. Got, you know, amen. I'm raising a leader that's going to change the world. That's what I tell myself all the time. You know, she's a leader. She's a leader. She's a leader. She's wearing me out, but she's a leader. <laughs> amen. And, um, but when I, I, I'm changing her diaper because if I don't, it's not good for her. But yet I can't convey to the two-year-old mind the importance of changing a diaper. I just need her to trust me that you may not know why this has happened. You may not know why this is happening, but it's actually, actually I'm loving you, even though it seems like I'm stopping your fun or it seems like I'm stopping you from doing what you want to do. And just like I can't convey to my daughter the importance of needing her diaper changed because she's two and I'm an adult, how many of you know there are things in an infinite, almighty God can't convey to the human mind on why certain things happen in this life? So I would encourage you to give God a pass. And then you'll get it on the other side. Because the demonstration of His love towards you is not the perfection of your life, but it's that He loved you so much that He would spill His blood on the ground to eradicate your sin and remove it. How many of you know that the, the expression of God's love is that He sent Jesus to die for our sins? Can I get an amen? Never lose sight of that. That's why we're all here. 
But that's the expression of His love. And so, this, this love that God has poured out to us, you don't have to earn it, you don't have to deserve it, and you don't have to compete against anybody else. Because listen to me, competition is wearisome. It's weary for you to try to be something that you're not to impress people. It's a horrible yoke. And it's not a joke that God wants on any of his kids. I would never, I have three children. I would never want one of my children to feel like they had to earn my love. Well, Dad, I just don't feel like I'm worthy to live in your house. I don't feel like I'm worthy to eat your food. I don't feel like, I don't feel like. How many of y'all, that's a very twisted type of relationship, right? And so what I want to encourage you today is that God loves you just the way you are. Not as you should be. Because none of us are perfectly as we should be. That's a Brennan Manning quote. But I love that quote because it sucks the religion out of the room and it sucks the performance out of the room. Because although my daughter has poopy diapers, her poopy diapers don't change who she is. And her poopy diapers don't cause her value to diminish in my eyes. In fact, when she has a poopy diaper, I want her to come to me, not run from me. And how many know we all have poopy diapers? <laughs> Maybe not in the literal sense, but how many know when you make a mistake? You know, the reason that David was a man after God's own heart is when he made a mistake, he didn't run from God, he ran to God. It wasn't because David was some great and awesome man. How I many know he made some pretty bad mistakes? By today's standards, he'd be in prison. But he did one thing. He, he, he counted that God was good. And so when he messed up, he ran to him. And so I would encourage all of us to do the same. And as you allow this love to wash over you and change you, it'll remove every mask that you've created to try to get value for who you are. Because most of us have spent our lives creating masks for the purpose of having value in the eyes of other people. And the Christian masks are some of the worst. No, God loves you just the way you are. And He's going to be a father to you. And He's going to walk with you. But you'll never be set free from being fake and under the yoke of performance if you think that you have a love that can be earned. This is an unearned love. I used to be a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, right? 19 years old, lying, cheating. Used to get drunk and cuss God out. Couldn't even be a devout atheist. If I was a devout atheist, I wouldn't cuss God out when I was drunk, right? <laughs> Praise God. Even failed that. But how many know that no matter how many Christians I persecuted, no matter how many times I cussed him out, no matter what I did, how many still love me? And here I am 23 years later. I'm here because he never stopped loving me. And now I preach the gospel that I used to attack because my rebellion was not strong enough to turn God away from me. And so I say the same thing to you. Your rebellion and whatever mistakes you make is not stronger than the cross. Yeah, man. It's true. It's true. The cross is taking care of all your mistakes. You have a net underneath you that cannot be broken. His name is Jesus. 
Sometimes you're going to do cool stuff and you'll do the right thing. And then sometimes you fall. But just because you fall does not change the way God feels about you. It does not change God's plan for your life. And it does not change your value in His eyes. I mean, He's going to walk with you. Amen? Now, if you can get that into your heart, it'll change everything about you. A lot of times we have a mental assent to the things that I just said. And we could check it on the test. Does God love me? Yes or no? Yes. But if you can get that down into your heart, it will actually set you free from caring what people think about you. And you will not need anyone's approval or good opinion of you to have your own sense of self-worth. It won't matter what you, it won't, you, you won't base your self-worth on how skinny you are and what you look like, how much money you have, what kind of car you drive, all that dumb stuff that we weigh in the balances. But you'll have your value, you'll find your value in Jesus' eyes. And then you get set free from everybody. And wow, you can actually start enjoying your life. Amen. God has that for us, but th this truth needs to get down into who we are. Amen? Um, let's turn to First um, John, please. And I want to, I let me tell you, First John chapter 4. That's right, y'all don't turn in your Bibles. You have it on the screen. Amen? First John chapter 4, verse 7. Amen. Um, let me tell you something I love. Okay? I, and I know you love it too, because I know where you live. I know. I'm in Orlando. Amen? I knew it as soon as I got off the plane last night. Whoosh! I was drenched. I was wet. You know, I was like, did I step into a pool? What happened? You know? Hey, but look, I'll take this any time of day over winter. So, amen. I always say the smart people move to Florida. Someday I'll be here. Amen? <laughs> but, um, I say something I love. I love air conditioning. Can we all just take a moment and thank God for air conditioning? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so thankful that I was born in the time that air conditioning had been invented. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and I know that's a first world problem. I mean, for real. But at the same time, imagine a life without air conditioning. Okay, I know it's too much. I see some tears out there. It's okay. Calm down. Don't get upset, right? But like air conditioning has the ability to improve every single aspect of your life. Because like when you're hot and you're sweaty, everything is less cool. <laughs> Literally, figuratively, like eating in, in the sweat is not as cool. Sleeping in the sweat is not as cool. Anyway, we're all on the same page. Air conditioning is a gift from God, right? But what if you had air conditioning, but you didn't know it? And so, have you ever had something that could really empower and change your life, but you didn't know it? Or you weren't using it? Like my mom, for example. I buy my mom a GPS on a pretty regular basis. I buy my mom a cell phone. My mom acts like she's an ex-Amish person, you know? Like... <laughs> She just retired. I mean, she, she was an accountant. She's a professional. But, like, she acts like she does not know how to do any. She can't even send an email. Smoke signals only. Will not use, will not use a cell phone. Will not use GPS. And so when, when my mom is following me, 
to, for dinner, like we're going to take my mom out for dinner, something like that, it's a stressful thing. Because if I lose her, she's gone. I'm talking, God, like we're in traffic. And I'm just like, is she back there? I hope she's back there, you know? And uh, we're watching for her. Because we lost her one time. We lost her. And so, and like, she's gone. She got no cell phone. She got no GPS. We don't know where she's at, right? And so me and my son are like on the corner of the road just like, you know, Grandma! And finally we see her. We're like, Texas Roadhouse is that way, you know? But like, she has a Garmin GPS with big print, loud voice on the dash. All she got to do is type in where she's going. It will tell her everything. But she will not use it. She has a cell phone. She will not use it. Now, clearly I'm slightly frustrated. <laughs> getting, getting over it, so to speak. But like, there are things that we have within us that we are not using. So the quality of our life is less than what God wants it to be. But it wasn't that he didn't give it to us. We have it. But many times we are not using it. See, you're not trying to get anything from God right now. When you receive Jesus, you got everything. You're, you're, there's no one in this room that has more of Jesus than somebody else. When you got Christ, when you got Jesus, you got it all. Now, the only thing you're trying to do, the reason, one of the reasons you come to church is you're trying to realize what you have. I mean, that's what mind renewal is all about. We hear the truth, and the truth sets us free to realize what we already have. For example, how many know you didn't come to church this, if you're, if you're saved, if you're born again, you didn't come to church this morning in order to be right with God. And thank God you're in a church that teaches that, because most churches don't. You don't give in order to be right with God. You don't serve in order to be right with God. You don't come to church to be right with God. You don't read your Bible to be right. You don't do anything at all to be right with God except believe in Jesus and receive the gift of His rightness with God. You are as right with God. If you're born again, if you're not born again, then just get saved. It's really easy. But it you are as right with God right now as you ever will be, ever. Your rightness with God does not fluctuate. It does not go up and down based upon your conduct. How many of the thief didn't do anything? He didn't go to church. He didn't give. He didn't tithe. He didn't do a deed. He just did the one thing that's really important to God. He believed. And he, received, he honored his son and he received the gift. How many of you know that thief became right with God on the cross in a state of condemnation? How many of you know that he that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? And so we have, I don't know how many Christians are on this planet, but we have, probably, I mean, like maybe a billion or so Christians on this planet, tons and tons of Christians. Most of them don't know they're right with God. And they think their rightness with God goes up and down week in and week out. And even those of us who know it in a head knowledge perspective don't experience it with a heart perspective. 
How many, so how many can feel like you've disappointed God or God's going to punish you for your sin or God is against you or God is not for you or God's mad at you or disappointed or whatever? How many of you can feel like that? Child of God, <laughs> if you feel that way, you're believing a lie. It's called condemnation. Was the cross a success? Did Jesus do a good job? If, he, if, if the cross was a success and Jesus did do a good job, then that means all your sin has been paid in full. And you will never pay the penalty for your own sin. I'm not saying there's not repercussions for your behavior. If you do dumb stuff, you get dumb results. Not God's fault. Doesn't come from God. Right? Jesus paid for your sin. And so, what that means is that any sense that you have of not being worthy and not being loved and being guilty and God being against you, that is condemnation. And there's therefore now no condemnation of those which are in Christ Jesus. So if you're believing that, listen to me, you're not believing that cross was a success on your behalf. And if, you, if we want to mature and we want to grow up, we've got to settle the issue of what God has done on the cross and become skilled in righteousness. And so when the enemy comes to condemn you in the first person in your own voice, you condemn the tongues of judgment that rise against you. That's what causes no weapon formed against you to be able to prosper. As long as we entertain these thoughts of God's against us, or God's going to punish us for our sin, or, or God's disappointed in us, or God's mad at us, as long as we entertain these thoughts, then that actually gives the enemy entrance into our heart to bring our heart into a state of condemning itself. How many know that your heart can condemn itself when God does not condemn you according to 1 John chapter 4? It's true. Your heart can condemn you. How I many you know Adam and Eve in the garden, their hearts condemned them? They removed themselves from fellowship. God still came down. They were ashamed. They were afraid. They were, they were covering themselves. God still loved them. God still came down to be with them. God was still their father, but they had got jacked up in the head <clears throat> in their opinion of God and themselves. And we've been spending the past several thousand years trying to fix that. Jesus fixed it. He has removed condemnation from the believer. Now, if you're not saved, you're still abiding under a sense of condemnation because you're spiritually dead. But how many know you can have the gift of righteousness but not being and not enjoying it? Because really, that's where faith comes from. See, none of us would question whether God's strong enough. For honest. I mean, if you want to take a look at God's power, don't just take a look at the book of Acts or Moses split in the Red Sea. Look at the universe. Supernovas, black holes. I mean, God has to use tweezers on earth. He is infinitely powerful. I mean... Everything's easy to him. But will he be powerful for you? And see, if you and your behavior 
is the determining factor of God's faithfulness to you, the enemy will always find a way to talk you out of believing that God will be powerful for you. See, you are not the one that qualifies yourself for answered prayer. Not your good behavior, not your bad behavior. Do you know who qualifies you for answered prayer? Jesus. You get everything Jesus deserves. And Jesus got everything we deserved on the cross. And that's how we pray in Jesus' name. We're just not saying Jesus at the end of a prayer is the inner button. We were coming. How many know, how many know you're now in Christ? Is there anything wicked in Jesus? Is there anything twisted in Jesus? Is there anything dirty in Jesus? Right? Where are you? So when you come to God and you need God to move on your behalf, you're not praying in your own name. You're praying in Jesus' name. And so you, we can't have faith be successful apart from knowing that we're right with God because of the blood of the Lamb and not because of what we have done. Can I get an amen? amen. Yes, if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. In your spirit, your spirit is born again. How many of your spirit, soul, and body? Now your soul can still be crazy. I dare say everyone's in this room is. <laughs> you know, talking about your mind, your will, your emotions, your thinker, your feeler, your chooser. I mean, we come to church to service this thing. This thing down here is complete, right? And when this thing lines up and we start believing truth, how many know our actions start lining up? See, when, I'm not, when, I, when I, I am right with God, but when I start to believe that I'm right with God and I start to know who I am, all of a sudden I start acting it out and my life starts to look like Jesus. Can I get an amen? My behavior, the things that I do. Righteousness is fulfilled in my spirit first, and then rightness in my mind, and then rightness in my actions. And then your life becomes a witness to the Lord. Can I get an amen? It's true. And so, but this, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. For everyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And someone quoted this during, the, the, uh, during worship time. We'll drop down to verse 19. It says, we love him because he first loved us. And so, how many know God loves you, right? And, and what that means in a practical sense is that he values you, and he sees worth in you, and he wants you, and he's with you, and he's never going to leave you, and he's never going to forsake you. Can I get an amen? So, but, but we love because he first loved us. So I've just preached the gospel. So God is the initiating factor. He's the one that hits the domino first. He loved you before you loved him, and his love towards you is never going to change. But he doesn't want love to just come to you. He wants it to go through you. Because when love comes to you and love goes through you, that's when everything gets good. Because love, love only to you does not complete the course of love. How I many know we're called, you know, the, the, the commandments that are talked about here in, in, in the book of John says we're called to believe in Jesus and we're called to love one another, right? Well, the believing is first because when you believe that God loves you, it allows you to receive His love. And how many know that's the number one thing? 
But it's not the entirety of it. It, it can't just come to you. It must go through you. Because the quality of your life will be based upon the love that's coming to you and the love that's going through you. How many of you know love changes the atmosphere of a home? How many of you know love changes the atmosphere of a, of, of a church? How many of you know love changes the atmosphere in a car? Love, cha- love is an atmosphere changer. How many of you know air conditioning is an atmosphere changer? Well, God has placed a love in you that He wants to flow out of you to change the atmosphere of your marriage, your children, your business, your job, and your church. And if it only comes to you, it's not enough. It must go through you. Because in everybody's heart... Oh, I thought I was going down, boy. (laughs) Hallelujah. Got a dance step. Praise the Lord. Hit that Kentucky jig one time. (laughs) Praise God. I wasn't even close, but I got nervous, man. I was about to run off the stage, man. (laughs) Sorry, man. Praise God. I'll only tell that joke two more times. (laughs) You can't overtell a joke. (laughs) Unless you're a dad, then you can tell as many times as you want. Anyway, um, the love can't just come to you. It's got to go through you. Because in, in the heart of everyone here, listen, everyone here, you want to be loved. You were created to be loved. And you weren't, listen to me, you weren't just created to be loved by God. You were created to be loved by each other. You need people who are going to love you. And I'm not talking about the world's love. I'm not talking about philios or eros in the Greek. We have one word for love in the English language. The Greek has three. Philios and eros are conditional loves. This, I'm talking about an unconditional, agape kind of love. You need someone to love you when you haven't earned it and when you weren't good enough and when you didn't deserve it on your bad day when you missed the coffee, when you, when you mess things up. You need someone in your life that believes the best about you, who will cover you and cover the multitude of your transgression with his love. Now, I'm not talking about an unconditional trust. We need to nail that one time. You are called to love everyone. You are not called to trust everyone. And if you think you're called to trust everyone, read Proverbs. Proverbs just lets you know what's up. Stay away from that person. Stay away from that person. Stay away from that person. Learn that person from afar. Bless you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So please understand, you don't, you know, Jesus didn't trust everybody. The Bible said Jesus knew it was in the heart of man. So don't, you're not a doormat. Love is powerful. See, the person that walks in love is the most influential person in the room, regardless of rank or title or anything. When you find someone that love's actually thrown through that person, everyone wants to be around them. Everyone wants to be near them. Because when they're around them, they feel valued. You ever notice how they couldn't keep the kids away from Jesus? The kids always want to... I mean, kids are a much better indicator of what's real and what's not. We've lived in fake for so long, we've forgotten what's real. We've clinked masks for so long, we've forgotten. But you want to know what's real? Find a kid. And if you see a kid gravitating towards somebody, that person's all right. 
Because kids, I don't know, but they have this ability to be genuine. My daughter, there's no fakeness in my two-year-old daughter. She hasn't learned how to be fake yet. Because there's no sense of insecurity about who she is. Oh, how beautiful it is. Her little conscience hasn't awoken yet, so she's free. If she were in this room right now, she could give a rip what any of y'all think about her. And she'd just dance and laugh and run around up here with no care in the world concerning what you guys think about her whatsoever. The man has come. He has to. He's supposed to. Give me high. Let's play patty cake. Are you ready? Come on. Let's do it. One time. Then this side. Okay, then straight forward. All right. One more time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Hey, when you call somebody out, you got you to gotta bless them. Amen. <laughs> I got a million bad jokes running through my head right now. But I must preach. I got to. You couldn't keep the kids away from Jesus. You couldn't keep the sinners away from Jesus. They would rip the roof off of houses. They'd press through crowds. Everybody wanted to be around him. <clears throat> And it was because he loved them, because he created them. And he could look past Mary Magdalene's sin. He could look past Matthew as a tax collector. He could look past Peter and his rough ways. And he had a way of bringing value to people who were not valued. And as a result of that, everybody wanted to be around him. That same Jesus lives inside of you. And that same Jesus wants for when you walk into a room to understand that He has walked into that room. And He wants the love that He's given you to flow out of you and to change the lives of everyone around you. And the reason a lot of times that we don't allow that to happen is we've been hurt, we've been abused, we've been used, we've been hurt in church, we've been hurt by Christians. The Bible says that in the end times, the love of many will grow cold because of lawlessness. I'm not encouraging you to be a doormat. I'm not encouraging you to be weak. There's nothing more powerful than love. Oh, it's worth whatever you have to do to get your air conditioner running. Because what's happened is we've got this, we've got this fan of God's love on us. We're like, Jesus love me, Jesus love me, Jesus love me. You come to church, Jesus love me, Jesus love me. And that's great. But there's an there's a, there's a air conditioning unit that God wants to start in you so that your marriage is soaked in love so that your children are soaked in love. So that when you're walking around, you're a cooling agent wherever you're around in the persecution that's in this world. In your church, I mean, in your church, in your school, in your job. Because perfect love drives out all fear. And perfect love is, the word perfect there is mature. It's the word teleos in the Greek. And love is not mature until it's come to you and through you. I'm going to read you. 1 John chapter 4, and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
Two things. Not just born of God. How I many you know when you see someone that love's not flowing through them, they don't know God like they probably could just yet. I mean, you know, there are people who think God's mad at them, think God's angry with them. How do they treat the people around them? Mad and angry. Full of condemnation. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. For he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So there's a part of your relationship with God that transfers into how you treat the people around you. If you are not treating the people around you with love, don't kid yourself. You don't know God the way you think you do. The Pharisees and Sadducees thought they knew God. Did they love people? No. When love came, they killed Him. So, a head knowledge about church, going to church, all of these things, going to a nice church, none of these things mean you know God. The, the evidence of you knowing God is how are you treating the people around you. And here's the thing. When the AC gets rolling, it doesn't just bless the person that turned it on. It blesses everybody. See, when you start walking in love as a husband, it's going to impact your marriage. When a wife starts walking in love, it's going to impact their marriage. And you know who it's really going to help is the kids. When you take love into your job, I've worked some very challenging places before I went into full-time ministry. But the love in me would change the culture always. Now, if you're trying to earn God's love or earn God's approval or earn anything from God, you can't walk in love. You're in dead works. And that is the worst road on earth. It's worse than drug addiction and alcoholism. I was a drug addict and I was self-righteous. It's easier to be a drug addict. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm still getting free from self-righteousness. So as I'm preaching this and I'm talking about love, if you are, are not established in righteousness and grace and knowing that God loves you, what I'm saying to you is impossible. And if you don't get that right in your heart, walking in love will be the most miserable thing you've ever done because you can't do it. But if you'll get established in righteousness and grace in the gospel and know that God loves you apart from anything you do for him, then out of that place of rest, God could start that air conditioning unit and you could start loving the people around you. And then what happens is love gets perfected in you and then love gets mature in you and then love actually drives out all fear. How I many of y'all fear is awful? Fear is not fun. It says love has been, it says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us, and God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, and we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Everybody say mature. Mature love. Not flawless. We think perfect, we think flawless. No, it's the word teleos. It means like the clicking of a telescope. A full, fully developed, matured love casts out fear. 
See, just like air conditioning casts out heat and humidity and discomfort, love to you and love through you will drive fear out of your marriage, out of your children, out of your finances, out of the health of your body, out of your church, everything. We want fear out. Fear's the enemy. How many of y'all, this world is trying to bombard us with fear? The news is centralized around fear. A good portion of sales and marketing is centralized around fear. Make somebody scared enough to buy something. No, no. We are the salt. We are the light. We are standing against fear. And you don't want fear being the ruling factor of your life. And I'm not talking about a godly fear and a godly reverence. I'm talking about just being afraid of the world and the world that you live in. God doesn't want you living anxious. God doesn't want you living afraid. But a lot of times, it's what people do. Well, I'm just focusing on God's love for me. I'm just focused on God's love for me, thinking that's enough to drive out fear. It's not. You can focus on God's love for you all day long, but love has a course. It, it's a river. It comes to you, and then it goes through you. In the river, you get set free from fear. In the river, you get set free from fear. In the river, you get set free for fear. What does that mean? That means you treat every single person in this room the way you want to be treated. When you look at another person, and you don't just treat the people that sit up closer better than the people that sit in the back. Can I get an amen? Because there ain't nobody any better than anybody else. Understand that. I mean, you're not called to be a respecter of persons. If you treat one person better because they're running their mouth up here than someone who may be serving in the back or not serving at all, you don't understand love yet. And you don't understand righteousness because nobody... How many of you Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me? See, not only do you want to treat everybody in this room like you treat yourself, how many of you actually want to treat everybody out there the same way? That's how we're going to conquer evil. We are not going to conquer evil through boycotts and anger. Hey, we take a stand for truth. I'm all about taking a stand for truth. But if you want to change somebody's life, love them. When they don't deserve it, when they haven't earned it, when they're a sinner. How many of there's no one that's any better than anybody else? How many of the law was a composite whole? Oh, you broke one, you broke them all. There's not one sinner that's a bigger sinner than somebody, somebody else. How many of people, it was just about people being spiritually dead or spiritually alive. Because here's the reality. There, there's some sins that people are involved in that gross me out. And, but they just sin differently than I did. And God still loves them and God still died for, that, for their sin. And I need to be able to see value in those people like God sees value in those people. So that I can love people the way Jesus loved people so that that love could change their life and give them a chance at a new life and they can become a new creation and they can get set free from the sin. Can I get an amen? But it, it happens by receiving that love and giving that love. And man, it'll make your life better. How many of air conditioning makes your life better? The love walk does too. 
We can't become a cold, calculating, fearful, angry church and think that we're going to really have an impact in the world. We got to love people. And here's the thing, and I'm closing. It is fun. <laughs> it's your best life. I dare you. I love Jesus. <laughs> he washed their feet, right? The Son of God, creator of the universe, scrubbing dirt out of a grimy disciples' feet, washing their feet. And then he finished it and he hung the towel up and he said one thing. He said, happy are you if you do this. You know what the secret to being happy is? Serving people in love. Losing sight of yourself. You know what the best way to be miserable is? Just think about you. Selfishness always breeds misery. You will never be happy being selfish because you're going to need one more thing, one more pair of shoes, one more, one more of this, one more of that, one more spouse. No, I didn't mean that. Um, one more. <laughs> one more. Why? Because what you consume does not multiply. But do you know love multiplies? This is the life. It, this is walking in light. And it's a great life. Now, and I'm getting a hold of it. I'm not saying I've arrived, but I get a hold of it. So now... I'm not just ministering when I'm up here. I minister all the time. When I go to the airport today, I'm going to walk around looking for somebody to be kind to. I'm going to walk around looking for somebody to help, looking for somebody to encourage, and knowing that there's a Jesus in me that wants to be unleashed on somebody. And it's not just me preaching a sermon or throwing scripture verses at people. It's me letting that love flow out of me. Oh, gosh, it makes life so much better. Amen. So I'm going to just pray corporately for us here real quickly, and then I'm going to turn the service over, and then I will be available if you might need prayer for anything um, towards the end of the service. But Father, I just I thank you that you would help us to turn on and let flow this beautiful gift of your amazing love. And I thank you, Lord, that we can't do it in our strength. Lord, we can't do anything in our own strength. But, Lord, I think you would help your people understand that this isn't what... They, they don't make this happen. They yield to this. They surrender to this. And I thank you just assuredly if they, as they have surrendered to your love to them that they would surrender to your love flowing through them and see immediate impact in their, in their marriages and in their families and even in their businesses, Lord God that you would help a love flood to happen as each of us turn on this love and walk in it and flow in it. And Lord, I, I thank you that the world would see how we take care of each other and they would want to be a part of us because of the way that Christians take care of each other and that we would be known by our love for each other. Not just our bumper stickers, not just our, our, our songs, but they would say... These people take care of each other so well, I want to be a part of these people. I thank you that our love becomes a light and becomes a witness. And I thank you, Lord, that people let go of fear and trust you as they let this love flow to them and flow through them. 
Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.